Welcome back to the BC Buckets podcast, the official podcast for Briarcliff University Charger basketball. This is Matt Gall, joined here on Zoom with head coach Mark Figuera. Uh, coach, we're about halfway, a little over halfway, I guess, through uh, January, kind of in the heart of the second half of the conference season. Are the guys, you know, you feel like the guys that still have fresh legs from break. Uh, does some of that late season wear and tear start to kind of wind on people how are, how are people feeling from a health standpoint you know honestly right now I, I think we're about as healthy as we can be for you know 19 games in and and like you said mid-January um, you know you're always going to have a, a tweaked ankle here or you know maybe a pulled muscle there but I think right now we're, we're doing okay and you know to be honest January has been pretty good to us uh, to date and uh, you know we also try to try to do everything we can to keep the guys fresh. You know, our practices this time of year are not overly long. Um, usually on Thursdays, we don't practice. We just shoot um, because I, I've just been of the opinion that I'd rather down the stretch of the season, have our guys fresh, have their legs underneath of them instead of, you know, practicing for two hours at a time when the reality is at this point in the season, if we're not good at what we do, we're probably not going to be. And so this time of year, you know, on a typical Monday, you know, we're going to, we're going to hit on our own stuff. We're going to try to rep through all, all the things we do on a Tuesday. It's going to be very scout specific for Wednesday night's games. Like I said, Thursday we'll shoot and Friday will be very much like a Tuesday where it's very scout specific for, for Saturday's game. And so, you know, I, I don't know that we've practiced more than an hour and 20 to hour and 30 minutes at a time here since, probably the day after Christmas break. Well, and since then, like you said, January has been pretty good to you guys. Um, this last week went one-on-one, loss at Morningside was the only blemish on the record uh, in January, really, since the last part of December into January. Uh, so let's talk about last week, like I said, uh, loss over at Morningside. It's always hostile territory over there, but maybe a little more so since, uh, you know, I think they let some of their fans in, but we didn't have uh, any on our side of things. So really felt like you were kind of walking into um, a home court advantage there maybe. Um, but then, you know, came back home on Saturday and uh, beat Midland at home in another close game with those guys. Uh, came down to the wire. I think, you know, we got down a little bit uh, in the second half there, but grounded out and took control of things the last couple of minutes. Huge, huge last five, 10 minutes by Jaden Klein-Hesselink to uh, kind of seal the deal on that. So uh, just talk about your impression of last week. Uh, what did you like that you saw? And and uh, what were some things maybe at uh, Morningside that you learned, you know, we, we still got to do better to compete with those top tier teams? Yeah, you know, that Morningside game, um, you know, we, we had won five straight going in and, you know, we, we were feeling good about things. And I, I thought we played – Right out of the gate, we, we, we came out hot, hit some shots, turned them over a couple times, got some easy buckets. And, um, you know, the first half, it just kind of took a turn. We were up 23 to 22 with five and a half minutes left. And we didn't score until about 20, under 20 seconds left. I mean, we went on a long drought offensively. And, you know, when, when you lose a game, there's the initial just shock value of it. And, you know, driving home, I was pissed off that we lost. And then, you know, then I, I watched the film that night and I'm sitting there and I'm like, holy cow, you know, we really executed what we wanted to do on both ends at a high level in the first half. We just, we missed some really good looks. We had a, a handful of open threes that I think if a couple of those drop, you know, it's a different game. We're probably down, you know, one to three at halftime instead of 10. And, and that's a huge difference. And then, you know, second half, we did some good things. Our defense, I thought, let up a little bit. Uh, we gave them some easy baskets off offensive rebounds and in transition, um, but finally got our offense going a little bit. Obviously, you know, Ethan Friedel at 28 in the second half alone and 31 in the game. Uh, but it was just, you know, it was a frustrating game because I I feel like the game plan we had was, was good. I thought the guys really executed what we wanted. And the cruel reality of basketball sometimes is that it comes down to making shots. And, and Morningside made made shots and we, we struggled to shoot the ball, especially from the three point line for a good chunk of that game. And, you know, so looking back, would we do a couple things different? Probably. 
Um, but at the same time, you know, we're guys did what we asked them to do and shots weren't falling. So, you, you know, what can you do at that point? But, you know, the thing is our, our guys have been for the most part, very resilient coming back off of losses this year and, you know, going in to the Midland game on, on Saturday was no different. And, you know, Midland is a team that in some ways they're very similar to us. They play a lot of five out lineups. They, you know, they do have a, a post player they throw it to, but he didn't play a whole lot of minutes. So it's in some ways like playing ourselves. And the strange thing was the, the game yesterday against Midland was unbelievably strangely similar to the first game we played with them. Um, you know, I think the only difference was the first time we played them, we did have the 12, 13 point lead in the second half that they kind of battled back from. But this game was pretty much the whole second half. It was within four or five points one way or the other. And, you know, you said it, Matt, Jaden was huge down the stretch. I think at one point he scored 12 straight points for us. Um, and, you know, we're, we're still talking about a game that was tied with two minutes to go. And it's just one of those as a coach, you know, you think two minutes to go tie game. First team to score there, I mean, the, the statistical odds just go through the roof for you to win the game. And, and it was their ball, and we got a stop, came down, Klein Hesling hit a, a step back three to put us ahead, and, and then we closed them out from there. And so, you know, it's it's hard to win games in January in the in the G-Pack. And, you know, Midland's a team, you look at their record, it's, it's not great, but um, I told a couple people last night, it's it's I'm surprised they don't have a couple more wins because I think they're pretty good. They're hard to guard. Um, and both times we played them now, it's just been a battle and you, you got to give a ton of credit to our guys because we had a couple of rough stretches defensively, um, yesterday where it seemed like we couldn't get a stop, but down the stretch, we really kind of cranked it up, cranked up our pressure and, and forced a couple turnovers, got a couple big rebounds, and then obviously made the, made the big baskets down the stretch. So it's, you know, when, when you lose that midweek game, there's a lot of urgency to, to get that weekend win, to, to get the split. And, and guys did a great job of responding and, and being ready to go. You know, as a, as a fan, and I know you don't look at this stuff as much. Uh, maybe you do, but I don't know that you'd admit it. But this at this time of year, looking at conference standings and where, where teams fall and those sorts of things, you know, just big picture-wise, and you zoom out, between the number one and number seven teams, I think there's maybe a three to four game uh, record spread. And so yeah. this goes to show how incredibly competitive the conference is this year. Yeah. It, and you're right. I mean, it's a four game difference first to seventh. And, you know, I, I think you go one to 11 even, and there's a lot of teams capable of beating other teams. You know, we, we've seen that, you know, Midland, I think they're in, you know, 10th place, ninth place, something like that. And they beat Dakota Wesleyan a week ago, who's tied for first. And, you know, so it, it's, it's such a good league. It's so well coached. The skill level of the players is incredibly high. And, you know, I, I'll half admit it. Yeah, I follow the standings. Um, you know, I, I'm always aware of what's going on. But, you know, the, the thing is, especially this time of year, if you get caught up in that and you're thinking about, okay, well, hey, if team A beats team B and we win, well, all of a sudden we're going to move up. And it's just – those things that are out of your control, it's not worth your time. And, you know, we, we talk to our guys about that occasionally. Yeah, it's fine to look at the standings and see where we're at. But, you know, it doesn't do us any good to go looking through who's playing who over the next couple of weeks because the second you start worrying about those things out of your control, you're not worrying about what is in your control. And that's your preparation for the next week. And, I mean, this next week is no joke for us. We go on the road for two against two really good teams. Um, and so we have to be prepared, you know, first things first Wednesday night going up to Northwestern ready to to do what we need to do to get a win up there yeah let's talk about that so uh you know when they played at our place early in the season I think was that the very first conference game of the year if I'm not mistaken or one uh, of the no it was it was the first conference home game okay um yeah we had played a couple before that and it was I mean it was a tight tight game all the way through until just a few minutes left um and then they were able to just kind of pull things away there right at the end. But um, I think that just goes to show that the, you know, that you guys are, are right there with the top teams in this conference. So going up to their place, um, you know, what are, what are some things from the last time around uh, when you played those guys that, 
you know, you think you're going to have to continue a little bit, try to do those same things when you watch your last game on film. And then what are a few things you need to do? I, I, I'm guessing you're going to say you need to get a, a few more stops. Um, you know, well, yeah, 98, to 90, 98 to 90 uh, final score, uh, putting the ball in the bucket's not, not a problem, but that's a team that can score too. So what's it going to take Wednesday to maybe turn that score around? Well, I think, you know, first things first, um, we need to be efficient offensively because Northwestern is a very good offensive team. They are incredibly efficient. They have multiple weapons and they, they have, you know, a, a great inside game, but also really good guard play and, and shooters. And so they put a ton of pressure on the defense and, and to sit here and say, yeah, we need to hold Northwestern to under 70 points. It's just not that realistic to be honest with mm-hmm. you. So, you know, we need to be efficient ourselves. And, and we really were the first time we played them. Um, you know, there, there's definitely a contrast in, in how our teams are built. You know, we're very five out oriented. They'll play a couple post players at a time. And so, you know, they have a big advantage in size and throwing the ball inside on us. But it, on the flip side, I think we have an advantage because we can spread them out, make their big guys come out to the perimeter and guard us. And so we just need to find a way to, to make the easy plays. And we did a great job of that first time. And it, it came down to, you know, they went zone late in the game. We missed some shots in the zone and we had a hard time getting stops, especially on the interior, whether that was getting rebounds or, or keeping the ball out of the post. And, you know, we're definitely going to have a, a little bit different game plan this time around. I look back and, and didn't love the game plan we, we had last time. And that's, you know, that's on me. That's not on the guys. They did what we asked. Um, but, uh, you know, we've played some phenomenal games up there, as you know, Matt, it's a, it's a fun place to play. It's a fun little rivalry. And, uh, you know, we just, we need to go up there and play well. And if, if we do that, I truly feel if we play well, we're, we're going to be in the game and have a chance against anybody we play the rest of the way. And I'm asking this about every game just cause it's kind of unpredictable and, and, you know, folks might be trying to make plans, but do you know what's going on up there from a spectator standpoint? I kind of do. They're at 50% capacity. Um, and how exactly that works, I'm actually waiting to hear a, a clarification on from them as we speak. But I do know they, they allow fans at the 50% capacity. And as you know, that's a pretty big place. So 50% there is still a good amount of people. So I would imagine people listening, um, I would recommend, I would not recommend showing up at 7.59 for an 8 o'clock tip-off and expecting to get in. You know, you might want to get there a little earlier than you normally would, but I, I think you should be able to get in. Okay. All right. And then uh, Saturday uh, at Concordia and looking at the schedule, you know, you got these two road games, but then you're at home really the rest of the way until you get into a GPAC tournament time. So uh, one more road game to kind of close out the road regular season schedule at Concordia. Uh, We got them earlier at our place. Uh, We had kind of a big second half to win by about 15 points at our place. Um, so, you know, going down there, like I said before, I think the last time we talked about those guys is their team. They could be 0 and 20 and we could be 20 and 0. And I, I just never feel comfortable against Concordia because of what they've done historically, even way back into the mid uh, 2000s where they won some big GPAC tournament games as like the seven or eight seed against us as the one or two seed. And they're just always kind of right there. So uh, what are you expecting out of them this time around? Well, you know, I think Concordia is really good. They are very balanced. Uh, there's not a lot of flaws to their team. Um, they're, they're just – they're really tough. They're really good in transition. They put a ton of pressure on you to get back defensively, and they, they crash the old boards like crazy. And that's – that. if you look at the stats of the first time we played them, that's the one glaring thing that we were not very good at. You know, in that game we played against them back in early December – you know, might be the best 40-minute game we've played this season. I thought our guys were really, really good, um, with the exception of our rebounding. But, um, you know, going down there is tough. They're they're good. We're going to, you know, just like Northwestern, we're going to have to be ready to go from the get-go. The last thing you want to do is get get down 8, 10 points early on the road. That's just – it's tough to come back from. And, um, you know, so this is a big week for us. You know, going on the road is always tough, doing it twice in a week. But there's also, you know, after this week, there's light at the end of the tunnel because we, we don't leave town. We don't leave the Flanagan Center for a long time after that. So it's it's we've got to give it everything we've got this week and, and 
you know, this is the time of year where you need to be playing your best basketball. And I, I think we're, we're knocking on the door of that. I don't know that that door is open yet. I still think there's some room for us to grow and, and get better at a couple things, but uh, I do think we're on the right track and, you know, see what happens this week. All right. So uh, Wednesday night up at Northwestern, those games will be at six and eight uh, women at six men at eight. And then at Concordia on January 23rd, that's a Saturday women will play at two and the men will play at four. And then same question, coach, do you know what's going on uh, at Concordia in terms of I, I, guest spectators? I actually don't, Matt, to be honest, I haven't okay. looked that far ahead yet. Um, you know, most <laughs> schools, they'll, they'll send you something on Monday of the week. So um, I think they're allowing fans, but I'm not a hundred percent sure exactly how that's working. Sure. You bet. All right. Well, uh, make sure you check on that. If you're planning to make the trip, uh, that way you don't uh, waste a few hours of your time. If you get there and the doors are locked or something like that. So uh, again, Northwestern Wednesday night up in orange city, Concordia Saturday down in Seward, Nebraska. All right. Well, I'm excited to bring in our guest this week. Uh, uh, it's sophomore Andrew Gibb on the program. And before we started recording, I asked coach, I said, Hey, we got to, do we have a guest this week? And, and he said, we're bringing you in Andrew. And he said, it should be a good one because you're hilarious. That's the word he used. So <laughs> okay. he, coach kind of set a high bar for you. Uh, uh, yeah, like I'll, I'll try to get it, but I don't, I don't know. <laughs> you know, one thing since we started recording this podcast, what, two, three years ago, you kind of figure out different personalities, the guys on the team and, and stuff like that. So uh, from a personality standpoint, you know, how would you describe your role in terms of uh, team morale and locker room environment, those sorts of things? Yeah. Well, you know, I think for me, I've kind of found my niche on this team or my role, you know, especially coming in, giving energy, you know, getting myself going, getting other guys going um, and just being, you know, positive to, our starters and everybody else on the team and kind of doing the same in practice as well. So I think that's kind of my role and, um, you know, I enjoy it. I love being here. I love being a Briarcliff basketball player and Sioux city is really nice. Um, I can't say it's nicer than Fort Dodge cause that's, that's my hometown, but it's, it's nice here. I like it. Yeah. Let's, let's talk about that. So you're a Fort Dodge St. Edmund grad. Um, yeah lettered in basketball and golf well before we start talking basketball I gotta ask uh you know we've talked about this before coach and coach Forbes and I know some guys on the team like to get out and swing it um how are yeah you know how would you rank yourself in terms of if you're gonna you know have your your top three golfers first of all are you in the top three and then would you where would you put yourself in that top three um I I haven't played with any of them I can only speak for myself but I'm pretty confident in my abilities on the golf course, so I, I'm going to have to go number one. And, and, hey, and fun fact about, about Andrew, um, you know, he grew up around golf. You know, his dad's a golf pro, actually played in the PGA Championship this past summer, correct? True, yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. How'd he do? So, you know, um, I've, never, I've never seen Andrew play, but I'm going to guess he's not just being overly confident in his ability right now. Yeah, so he um, he was at the PJ Championship, and uh, he didn't make the cut, but, you know, like he told me, you miss one shot and out of the fairway, and you're in a lot of trouble. But he's played on the tour a couple times and had a lot of success. So I grew up with the nicest golf equipment any, like, <laughs> three-year-old could ever have. So, you know, we talk a lot about mindset, and it's uh, really fun to pick his brain because, you know, he's – He's played on the highest stage of his um, job. So I pick his brain a lot and he talks to me about that mindset a lot of, you know, being a killer and a competitor. So, yeah. It's kind of an interesting uh, point. You know, what, what parallels are there in terms of mental preparation that you found are helpful that maybe translate from golf into basketball? You know, I was just talking with, um, Jaden and Carson on our way back from Morningside about this that my dad told me and it was about just having a short memory of these you know it's it's okay to be mad when you lose and you should be that's what should motivate you to get back in the gym but uh I guess they were asking like Arnold Palmer or Jack Nicholas I forgot the story my dad will kill me when he sees that that I don't remember it but they asked him about a three putt he had had at the U.S. Open 
And he wouldn't even acknowledge to the reporter that he had ever made a three putt in his life. And he obviously had made a three putt. We all have made three, three putts, but he had such a short memory and such a confidence about him that, you know, in his mind, he never had a three putt in our minds. We've never lost a game. You know, we're confident that every game's a win and, if we didn't win, well, the next one's going to be a win, you know, so. Mm-hmm. For God, you know, St. Edmund has a, a tremendously rich tradition of good basketball. Um, you know, a lot of good rivalries from, from that part of the state. What was maybe the most fun rivalry from your time in high school? Well, every, I think, you know, we don't have an X on our backs. We have a cross on our backs. Literally, our jerseys had a cross on the back. And people didn't like us because of that, being the Catholic school. Um, So every game was a rivalry. You know, my favorite game I ever played was probably against Iowa Falls. And they were um, honoring Nick Collison, which is, I mean, he's he's God in the North Central Conference. He was there and it was packed. And Iowa Falls is a pretty big gym. And um, I just remember being in the locker room and I told my teammates, I was like, you guys, like, I know this is a big night for them, but why don't we just spoil it, you know? So we ended up winning. It was a close game the whole time. I had a pretty good game, or, or a couple other guys had a good game, and it was fun to wipe that smile off of Nick Allison's face. <laughs> we, might, uh, we might have to reach out to Michael Collison and maybe get a, <laughs> get yeah. a reaction to that. Yeah, yeah for, for sure. sure. You know, and here's another fun fact about about Gibb being from St. Ed's. He's the highest scoring St. Ed's player to ever play at Briarcliff. Are you? Is it is it accurate that you're second all time and John Angler's third all time in scoring? I'm I'm number one. Oh, and what what's Angler? Three, I think. Oh, not he's got me in rebounding by a lot though. He's number one there. All right. Well, anytime I can make fun of John Angler, I'm going to try to do it. Though, so. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, so, so Gib, let's, let's talk about how you ended up at Briarcliff because it's kind of a long, um, a long story, how it happened. And I'll, I'll give some basics and you correct me if I'm wrong on anything. So we, we recruited Andrew when he was in high school, um, you know, um, and he, he played AAU basketball with Quinn DC, one of our other players and, and former podcast guest and, you know, came on his visit. We recruited him and ended up going to Iowa central community college there in Fort Dodge. And then after a year, he had a great freshman year there, averaged 15, 16 a game, scored 42 in a game, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. But, uh, you know, his, his junior college coach had reached out to me and said, hey, you know, he's going he's gonna to move on to a four-year school. And at the time, I'm just like, wow, man, we have a lot of guards. I don't know. So Andrew ended up committing to another school. And, uh, and then in, in midsummer, he had reached out to Coach Forbes and I, and, and he had made a decision he wanted to be closer to home than where he was going to go and uh was interested in briar cliff and at that point i was like you know what this kid's good we recruited him um he had a great freshman year and so kind of a long story kind of a long path to get him here but you know he's he's done a great job since he's been here uh to date so is that is that pretty accurate there gib yeah no that is accurate um it is a it's an interesting road and i have a different one than kind of everyone that's here uh because they kind of came here and you know, I did go the JUCO route and I was there a year and um, it's not something that I, you know, regret or anything. I had a great time, but um, I'm really happy that I ended up here. And I think it's just like, it was just meant to be. So being, you know, coming from another college program at Iowa Central, what's it like, you know, we've talked a lot to our guests about transitioning from high school into college and getting used to the pace of the game and the culture of a new program, but you had to make that adjustment a couple times. So what's that like to turn around within a two or three year span and have to, uh, you know, learn a new coach, learn a new coaching style, uh, play with a new group of guys, learn new schemes. How, how is it to not just do that once coming out of high school, but have to then turn around and do that again? Well, it's, you know, it's, it's been hard and it's been easy um, because the coaches and players here have really welcomed me with open arms but, you know, the GPAC, like you guys were saying, it's a good league. So, you know, in JUCO, guys are there for a variety of reasons. And 
athletically, there might be some better players in junior college, but as far as just like the coaching and shooters and the defensive schemes and all that, I mean, the G packs on a different level. So I think that, you know, the first couple months I was here, the first couple games was kind of an adjustment and, you know, I'm still making adjustments and trying to get better every day, but uh, I think that uh, I'm, I'm on the right track. You know, that's something we, we talked to, you know, a lot of times it is freshmen, but it, you know, in, in his case transfers too, it's, it's just going to be different. And, mm-hmm. you know, that's not right or wrong by any stretch. It's just different when you go to a new program and, you know, as, as far as how we play, you know, there's definitely some differences between a lot of other programs and what we do um, both offensively and defensively. And, you know, I, I think Gib would probably agree that, you know, the first couple of weeks were tough for him, but since then, I mean, he's, he's done a good job. Like I said, I mean, you go back, look through the stats. He's had some huge games for us. Um, you know, he came off the bench up at Dorton, had double figures, had I think 14 in the first half at Midland, had 17 against Mount Marty a couple of weeks ago. And, you know, so he's just kind of every day gotten better and, and put himself in a position now where he's, he's a regular contributor for us. What are a few uh, description words you would use to, one, describe coach, and uh, two, describe this program? Um, I would say energetic for coach, like good energy though, like, um, good energy. Like when he stomps, I feel that good energy. Um, yeah, my, my foot doesn't agree with you, Gib. <laughs> feel very good right now, but yeah, but, uh, definitely I feel like it's a lot of good energy he gives us. And then, you know, we kind of relay that on with each other. Um, practices are always high energy, high intensity, um, for our program, I don't know. It's it's like such a rich program in history. It's hard to have one word. Um, I don't know. I would just probably say like just like historically really strong, you know. I feel like when you wear the Briarcliff jersey, it's like you're wearing it for yourself, but you're wearing it for your teammates and everybody who's come before you too. So like I feel a lot of pride when I wear it. So – Let's get to the actual important stuff, Gib. Um, <laughs> as it's been well documented on this podcast in the past, we play a lot of cards on the bus. Oh, yeah. And, um, you know, in the past, we, we played a lot of hearts. That was kind of the game of choice. And then we, we graduated um, a good chunk of hearts players last year. And I, I left Will Johnson with the responsibility to recruit and teach new guys how to play hearts. Well, he failed miserably. <laughs> and so we've actually switched gears this year, and we play a ton of Uno on the bus. I got to jump in here. Is this – so does the, does the game, does the card game reflect the intellect of the guys on the team at any given time? Or is it just well, whatever deck of cards you have laying around? Um. Because my seven and nine year olds like to play uh, Uno too. Yeah, so it's uh, you know Hearts is definitely a, a little bit more a game of skill than than Uno is. Um, but you know Uno is a good game. We play it on our phones on an app, and uh, you know from the get go, Andrew kind of jumped in and and started <laughs> playing on our bus. And I got to be honest, he was terrible to start. You know, he'd, guy, he'd play all of his good cards from the get-go instead of saving them for the end when he when he really needed them but uh you know at this point he's probably the most improved player um he, he's up into the respectable category now but I guess the real question here Gib is you know who are the two one or two best players and who are the one one or two worst players okay well if we're going by total wins obviously your top one um Coach Graves, when he comes, is probably two. And then bottom two is definitely Stillwell last. <laughs> and um, probably uh, probably if, if, if Cheese plays, uh, he's, he's pretty bad too. But, yeah, you can learn. I've learned you can learn more about someone through how they play Uno than, like, any other thing. <laughs> it's unbelievable. People play like their personalities. That's right. You're, you're so how do you play? Right. So how do you play, Andrew? Um, well, I started off pretty crazy, and now I'm a little more 
I'm a little more serious and conservative with my cards, I guess. Uh, so, you know, we're talking about intellect and those sorts of things. We've had some, some, I, I joke about that. Of course, we've had some uh, pretty bright students come through uh, the Briarcliff basketball program. I think the team GPA, that sort of thing has reflected that, but uh, you know, what are you studying up at the cliff and what's it like, you know, kind of now that you're starting your, I guess this would be the third semester in this COVID world. Uh, you know, have you been able to adjust academically by now to, you know, what it's like to study under these unusual circumstances? Yeah, well, so last year at my junior college, uh, we were already online towards the end. So I'd kind of known what it was like. And, um, you know, so it hasn't been a big adjustment. I'm just happy that we get to have school and get to have basketball. So, um, you know, it hasn't been a huge adjustment other than wearing a mask, which um, obviously is a good thing that they're making us do. Um, so I'm currently undecided for my major, but I'd like to do something in sales or marketing, mm-hmm. uh, just something that I could still be kind of competitive. And, you know, I just don't want to sit in a cubicle and do that. I'd like to you know, go out and sell something or have a sales call or have a, a, a goal to meet, you know, cause I, I'll get mm-hmm. bored too easily if I just do the same thing every day. Yeah. Coach. It- this is just some I've wondered and maybe there's absolutely no correlation, but have you ever, you know, found that there's some correlation between what, uh, what draws players to certain uh, study areas or professions that maybe translates to their, you know, their character in terms of how they approach the game of basketball? Yeah. I mean, I think so. I mean, we have a lot of, business majors and stuff like that. So I think we're all very, you know, competitive and, you know, we have high goals and, you know, in business you want money and success or whatever it is. And in basketball, we want championships and wins. So, I mean, whatever it is, but, but then you have someone like Jake, who's a psychology major. And I, I don't know what's going on in his head. So. (laughs) Well, I tell you what, man, that's actually a great question. And I don't have an answer for you. That's something I, it's like an off season project I would actually work on going back through our rosters and, you know, seeing if there's similarities between guys that are business majors or education majors. And, you know, I don't know that you'd find something, but it sounds like a conversation. It sounds like something Nick Nelson and I would talk about going back and doing some kind of stupid, crazy statistical analysis of something. But uh, that is, that is a good question. And Maybe that's don't, don't be shocked with in the next month if if I come back and actually answer that question on the podcast sometime because <laughs> I got bored and, and looked it up. Yeah. Maybe the uh maybe one of the research departments can take that on or something and help with, with some of that groundwork. But uh no, I was just out of curiosity. You know, what drives you and motivates you from a mental standpoint uh carries over to a lot of a lot of different aspects of life. So yeah, that would be kind of fascinating to uh to see if there is any correlation there. Hey, and I'm, I'm going to give you an example because I just, I made a reference to this, you know, Nick Nelson and I, we had some interesting conversations in our six years on the coaching staff together. And one time we were on our way to a game and uh, we started talking about our coaching cliches actually true. You know, you, you play how you practice and, you know, things like that. Mm-hmm. And it's important to eat four hours before a game. Does it actually matter? Does it matter what you eat? All those things. So, you know, we were, we were actually going to Concordia, which is relevant because we go down there this week about six, seven years ago. And so I started writing all this down and I I've actually kept track of a crazy amount of things that really don't matter over the last seven years, you know, in terms of what time did we practice the day before? Did we do a shoot around? Did we stay in a hotel? Where did we eat our pregame meal? What was the quality of our practice the day before? And uh, last spring during, you know, quarantine, when we were kind of locked down and and working from home, I started actually going through and compiling all the data that I had. And through that would have been through six years of keeping track of all these things. The only thing in everything I kept track of, actually, I take it back. There was two things that had an actual statistical impact on whether we won or lost. And number one was uh, we lost more often on the road than we did at home. And the, the number two thing was we lost more to teams with higher winning percentages than we did to teams with lower winning percentages. <laughs> and so 
you know, some groundbreaking stuff there, coach. Yeah, I know it's, it's, it, and that, that, that was the point of the, the conversation that started between Nick and I was, you know, it started because we had a bad practice the day before that game, you know, and I think it's easy to think like, man, we're going to, we're not going to play well. And so I've gone through that, you know, and, and, and as a head coach, I think it's even harder to get over that. You know, it's like, Oh, we, we, we didn't have a great practice. We're not going to play well. And then we play unbelievably well the next day. And so yeah. it's just, it's, it's kind of interesting, but that's something, you know, and sadly I'll probably keep doing it, even though I don't think anything's really going to change with what I'm finding out. Hey, you're an analytical uh, guy. You're an analytical program. So why not? Right on. All right. Well, Andrew, you know, are you, have you listened to the podcast before? I, I have, I can't, I have not. I'm sorry. Okay. Another you know, first time when I, listener. When I found that out, Gib, I was actually kind of regretting bringing you on and disappointed, <laughs> but you know, now, now you're going to have to listen so you can hear what your voice sounds like on a podcast. True. Well, you hopefully have some idea what we're about to do because hopefully uh, Coach gave you our starting five category. But each podcast, yes. we, we do a, a starting five category where uh, Coach Figuera and then whoever our guest is will go through what their starting five would be in, in that particular category. So this week, we're going with starting five items, goods, products, whatever you want to call them. Uh, that are in your refrigerator. So, you know, we always leave these things super open-ended. These could be the staples, like the things that you got to have, or these could be those like once in a while specialty things that, you know, if it's in your fridge, it's either means it's like Christmas time or, you know, it could mean something more special to you, whatever. However you want to do that, that's totally up to you. But we're going to starting five for items that are in your refrigerator. So I'll turn it over to you guys. Hey, Hey, Matt, I got a question. I need clarification. When you say okay. refrigerator, does that count the freezer part of it, or is it strictly the refrigerator? I part was of thinking it? about that too. Yeah, that's it, a good. It, it, it's going to make a lineup change if you say no. You know, I I am inclined to say no just because that opens the door to so many other things. You can really freeze anything. I mean, it could be an ice an ice pack that you use for when your kid, you know breaks his leg or something like that so i want to stick with i want to stick with those perishables that are kind of use it or lose it type of thing so you really you really have to commit to these things let's put it that way okay i like it well uh you know gibson since you don't listen to the podcast um i'm going to tell you that i I label my starting five basketball position wise okay i always start with my point Yard, and we can alternate back and forth if you want. But I'm going to start. Okay. My, my point guard for must-have in the refrigerator is eggs. I make eggs almost every single morning for breakfast. Obviously, they're they're used in a lot of other things, but that's there's always a couple dozen eggs in our refrigerator. And and and, and like any good point guard, they're so versatile. Mm-hmm. So there you go. Yeah, I'll I'll stick with the basketball refer or terms too. So point guard. I'm going to go with fruits and apples, grapes, and pineapples are the only fruits I mess with. Um, They're good for you. Can't have a good diet without fruit. Can't have a good team without a good point guard. That's right. So I'm going to go next to, uh, to my post player and my post player is milk. Um, And I, I don't drink milk like I once did. You know, there was a time in my life, um, you know, up through high school where, I could easily take down a half gallon to a gallon of milk in one sitting. Um, don't do that anymore. But, you know, for cereal, uh, my wife and I make smoothies for breakfast a lot. Uh, along with our eggs, you need milk for that. It's just always good to have on hand. And I'm also going to split this in two because chocolate milk is a subcategory of milk. Uh, but I'm going to lump that in there, too. Both kinds of milk, both both standard white and chocolate. I got to jump in. I got to ask what you got skim. You going with the 1%, 2% whole, or do you guys drink it in the Spaghetti household? That's a compromise that I, that I've lost. Um, we go with 1% generally. If I had my way, I prefer a whole. Mm. All but right. We go with 1%. Yep. All right. So my post player, um, I guess I'll do cold cut specifically Turkey. I could go chicken, but ham is just disgusting to me. I've never liked it, and I, I never, I'm never going to mess with ham. All right, I like it. That's that's interesting. Um, are we yeah. talking? Are we talking the Oscar Mayer like comes in a round little plastic yeah. container? Name brand. Okay, so we're not talking the like Deluso 
or DeRusso, whatever it's called, the nice shaved stuff from the deli counter. You're talking, you're going to the deli aisle, you're getting the stuff that somebody threw together in a processor. Yeah, I'm not that fancy. Like, <laughs> I, I'm, a, I'm a guy of simple tastes. <laughs> Fair enough. All right, so now we've, we've got our wing, wing players. Um, and for my two guard, I've, I've kind of struggled with this one, whether I need to narrow it down or leave it fairly broad, which is what I did, but you got to have cheese in the refrigerator. It's a great snack, goes on burgers, you name it. Our, our, our cheese compartment in the refrigerator is usually stocked full with all kinds of different varieties. So I'm just going to leave it at that. Starting two guard is cheese. Okay. So I would like to think of my list as the 97 Bulls. And as the 97 Bulls, the two guard is Michael Jordan. And like Michael Jordan, this is the best condiment to ever live, and that is mayo. So that's what I'm going with. You know, Gib, I wasn't exactly sure what was going to come out of your mouth there. <laughs> but if you would have said ketchup, we, we might have <laughs> you off the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> so that's – I mean, that, then that kind of goes right along with your cold cuts. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's, it's good. I'll even – I know this is kind of weird, but I'll even dip my fries in mayo sometimes. That's kind of disgusting. I had but, say it's better than ketchup, so don't knock it till you try it. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm not going to try it, but I will knock it. Okay. Um, so my, my three guard, um, again, it's kind of a broad, broad uh, characteristic, but we've always got some kind of meat in our refrigerator. Um, you know, we certainly buy meat and freeze it too. You know, I smoke meat and freeze it in bulk, but we've always got something in there, whether it's chicken, a roast, you know, a pork loin, we've got some kind of meat in the fridge. Yeah. For me, my three, I'm, I'm pretty specific. I guess I didn't, I didn't go that broad, but I did like yogurt, but like specifically the types of yogurt where they have a little snack, the little M&Ms in the cap. So, I mean, you're yeah. getting like, it's like, it's a great deal. You're getting two things for the price of one. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. Um, and so that, that leaves us with our four, um, our last wing spot. Um, and I'm actually going to say yogurt as well, because that is something that is always 100% in our fridge. And now it's generally my wife that eats it. I, I do at times too, but you know, we're a lot simpler than you give. It's just the plain Greek yogurt, <laughs> yeah. unflavored, nothing. My, my wife does throw fruit in it, um, when she eats it, but, uh, yogurt's always in our fridge. So it's gotta be in the starting five. Yeah. So my final one. At the four, I play the four, so it has to be something pretty cool. I did peanut butter and jelly Uncrustables. I can go through a box and pretty quick. And I actually have those in my dorm room fridge. That's the, uh, so always got to be stocked. They're, they're supposed to be frozen, are they not? Yeah, I, I don't, they're, they're then they the taste like a hockey puck. Okay. So, yeah, fair enough. They're in your fridge. So, yeah. Maybe they are supposed to be frozen, but we in, in room two, two, thirty, Three, we like them refrigerated. So, I like it. My kids, my kids will eat them straight out of the freezer too, where it's just a disc of like jelly yeah. that's turned into a Jolly Rancher, basically. Basically. <laughs> so I, I got to throw away. Uh, I'm going to throw a six man in there, and I'm going to go off script because it was in my starting five until Matt eliminated it with the freezer caveat. So, um, also in my starting, well. My sixth man, it comes out of the freezer, just below the fridge, um, are frozen enchiladas from Eric's Enchiladas at the Sioux City Farmer's Market. Um, pretty much every time my wife goes, she buys some. So it keeps us stockpiled through the winter when there is no farmer's market. Um, microwave them for two minutes, add a little cheese, 30 seconds, boom. Best enchiladas you'll ever have. So I just had to throw that out there because it got omitted because of Matt's questionable rule you could throw those in the fridge all you have to do is thaw a couple out and then boom or, yeah but they we store them in the freezer okay so well I, I, did, yeah. I didn't feel right putting them in the starting five because of that but they needed to be talked about fair enough works for me uh if anyone has any ideas for any uh, starting five categories any other questions comments anything else like that make sure you shoot those into us you can get those to us uh, on twitter at bc buckets cast or email them to us at bcbucketspodcast at gmail.com. And, of course, you can always text Coach or myself if you 
uh, want to do it that way. So, uh, Andrew, a couple more things we do here is we got to listen to Coach's Life Rule. So, Coach Figuera, every week we'll share with our listeners some tidbit of life knowledge and wisdom that he's accrued over his many years here on earth. And then uh, we'll give you an opportunity to weigh in on that. See if you agree or if it applies to you or if it's life changing to you in any way, you know, we'll just let you weigh in on that. But with that, I'm going to turn it over to coach. You know, I have something that happened this morning to me. And if I've actually talked about this life rule before, I apologize, but it, it needs to be talked about. I think the greatest litmus test in the world of whether or not you're a decent person can be traced back to one thing, shopping carts at the grocery store. You know, if you're the person that just leaves it out in the, in the parking lot, not in the corral, you're a jackass. <laughs> um, and to one up that, so I was at Hy-Vee this morning. I generally do grocery shopping on Sunday mornings and I pretty much always go through the self checkout. It's efficient. I can sack my groceries how I want. And if you're familiar with Hy-Vee on Hamilton, which I know both of you guys probably are, there's, uh, there's two self-checkouts per aisle. And I was in the first one. And the guy behind me in the second one finished up, grabbed his like three sacks, and left his cart sitting right there. And not that's not even the, the extent of it. He left it perpendicular across the aisle, so it was blocking the entire aisle for the next people. And I just think that that's even worse than the, the parking lot thing, you know, no, no regard for anybody else, but himself and couldn't be bothered to, to take it to the corral by the doors. So it's not that hard. Be a good person. Put your shopping cart back. Well, there's no excuse for it. You're walking that way anyway. That's, that's especially agreed. Correct. I, I thought you were going to go with the parking lot thing, but I know exactly what you're talking about. They just leave it right at the front of the store. Absolutely no reason for that. And they might come back with you with, well, it's, you know, I'm, I'm helping provide a job for somebody, you know, who can do that. That's such a, a crazy excuse. I don't like that. Yeah. Don't. Andrew, what's your reaction to this? Yeah. I grew up in a household where we always put our carts back. My mom would always make me do it. And um, I think that doing that, it shows me two things. You're either just a jerk or a possible serial killer. I don't, I don't, I don't exactly know why you'd leave a cart out. So I agree with that. Well, you know, we're talking about psychology as a kid, you always want to push the cart. That's all you want to do is you want to push the cart at some point in your life or in those people's lives. At what point does it get to the point where they're not, they're no longer eager to push the cart. They're the complete opposite. It's a, a pain in the butt to actually have to push the cart, the extra 50 feet. I mean, it's kind of a sad thing. There's a study. If somebody wants to study that, what's going on in, the, in their heads? Mm -hmm. But oh, fun fact about that high V too. By the way, a uh, couple buddies and I were in college when they opened it up. So we went. They were, I think they opened at like 5:30 a.m. on a Tuesday or something. So we went and and uh, got there about 5 a.m. because we wanted to be the first customers in case they were giving away like ten thousand dollars or something like that. So we're there with like four old ladies standing in line. And we run in, grab a Snickers and pay for it. And uh, not only did we not win $10,000, but I don't even think the Snickers were on sale or anything like that. So, but we, we were the first customers at the Hamilton Hy-Vee for whatever that's worth. I don't even know what to think about this story, Matt. <laughs> it's something else. Let's move on. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, last thing we got to do here is throw out some shout outs. And uh, I want to give my shout out to, well, a couple of different shout outs. One, to women's basketball. They're continuing to keep things rolling. Uh, it's really been fun to watch what Coach Hand, former guest of the podcast, has done with that program. They're playing really good basketball and, and have really uh, made themselves known in the conference. So shout out to them. And then uh, shout out to, I guess, all the faculty and staff at the Cliff. I presume the second semester is kind of getting up and going now. So, uh, you know, Good luck to everybody here uh, getting the second semester going. Hopefully this is the last time we have to deal with all of the COVID stuff um, and, and things can get back to normal next fall. Yeah, I have two. Um, first, my dad, you know, he's down in Florida practicing, training, getting ready to try to get on the senior tour. So I got to respect the grind. And then second to my Dallas Cowboys for letting me down again this year. <laughs> 
All right, I, I've got I've just got one this week. I know that's strange. I always have multiple, but uh, quick shout out to uh, Shane Ladegi, who's our new head football coach at Briarcliff. Um, just got his staff finalized. I know they're hitting the ground running, recruiting wise, and all that. Um, you know, I had a chance to talk to them for a long time yesterday prior to the women's game. I think he's a great dude, great coach. It's that's going to be really, really good for Briar Cliff and the football program. So shout out to him and his staff as they get things rolling here. All right. Well, that'll do it. Uh, Andrew, we appreciate you coming on the uh, podcast here. It was a pleasure having you. Uh, yeah, you know, nice we, have the, we have the annual Briar Cliff uh, basketball golf fundraiser. You know, what are the odds you and you and your old man are going to put together a team to come basically uh, sweep the prize as a, you know, a we've played in one event together and we played pretty well and we got second and he still to this day claims that the people in front of us cheated. <laughs> so there's some kind of sore feelings, but maybe we could get the band back together and do it. I don't know. Coach, are you going to have to build in any, uh, any special rules just in case they put together a superstar team? Um, no, you know, this, this, there's no salary cap in the Briarcliff men's basketball <laughs> golf outing, you know, winners win, put the bet, put together the best team you can. That's what I say. Yep. All right. Well, thanks again for coming on. Uh, as always, you know, make sure that you pay attention to what's going on with spectator policies at, uh, away games and at home games. Uh, again, this week, Wednesday night, Briarcliff will be at Northwestern women will play at six o'clock. The men will play at eight o'clock and then on Saturday down at Concordia in Seward, Nebraska, the women will play at two o'clock and the men will play at four o'clock. So that'll do it for this week's edition of BC Buckets. Uh, make sure to tune in next week and we'll start talking about the homestand to end the season. Take care.